You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Like some of you, how many of you have no idea what 90210 is? You have no idea. You're like, I've never even heard that. You know, some of you, yeah, the younger ones don't want to admit it, but they have no idea. Um, so anyway, uh, page 902 in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to talk about Jesus at the center. The last, uh, this year, we've been kicking off our, our year with this series. And uh, how do we put Jesus at the center of our life, of everything? So we talked about what it means day one. What does it mean to have Jesus at the center? You know, how do you live your, your days? And, and who, who's at the center of that? And we talked about Jesus at the center of our attention, the center of our healing, the center of our influence, all these just different uh, ways that we can incorporate Jesus at the center. And today, you heard Nick share, we're going to talk about Jesus at the center of our love. Um, and love's kind of a big one. Uh, Jesus kind of summarized the Bible. You ever do that? You know, like there's a lot of pages in that Bible. And uh, they once asked Jesus, you know, how, what, of all the law, 600 laws or something in the Old Testament, of all the law and of all the prophets, What's the most important? And Jesus said, all the law is contained in this one thing. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, So really, you could break it down to three things. Love God, love others, love myself. Um, So let me just ask you real quick. How well do you love yourself? (laughs) Everybody, some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, uh, like, it depends on how you answer that question. I don't know. That's up to you. How, how well are you loving others? A little quieter. <laughs> uh, how well are you showing your love to God? Um, can we just agree that we all need to grow in love? That we all need to, we could do, we could do a better job. I mean, has anybody reached the pinnacle of love? You could not be any more loving than you currently are. Like you are absolutely the epitome of love. Everything you do is just loving, you know, um, if, if I'd like to see somebody try and raise their hand, I don't know. I'd like go for it, go for it. Um, so love is love is a muscle, right? That you got to work out. You grow, you develop, you get better at learning to love people. You you get better at you you work at it. The more loving you are, the better you get at it. So some of you are like Arnold, you know. Some of you are like there you go. Some of you your love muscle is like Arnold's, and some of you your love muscle is like Arnold, right? Yes, yes, that that Arnold. Um, so today, we're going to do like a little bit of a spiritual workout and just say, how do we develop some spiritual, some serious love muscles? Um, we're going to start, start by studying some what we call muscular Christians, some who were, were praised for their love. Um, Paul praised the Colossians church for their ability to love. He said, listen, your love is famous. All right. And so you can pick it up. Colossians chapter one. If you're there, page 902. Um, it'll be on the screen as well. Um, it starts in verse four. And Paul says to this church, the Colossian church, he said, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. Right? We've heard of it. And he says, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. And we're going to stop there. And that's it. Just two verses. Colossians 1, 4 and 5. Very simple. And Paul commends them for having love for all people. Yeah, he says, you're, you're strong. You're, you love. And he actually says it's impressive. He says their love is famous. He says, I've heard about your love. People are talking about how much you love other people. Who would you say is famous for how loving they are? 
right? Like Mother Teresa, I heard Mother Teresa, right? All right, maybe like, you know, Gandhi, right? Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, right? We can come up with some, maybe uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, maybe, all right, Mr. Rogers, like really, you know, famous for being just loving, kind people. Um, it's interesting. Where does Paul say that their love came from? Like, look, look right there. It says, where does he say where your love came from? It says, their love came from their confident hope of what God has reserved for them in heaven. Because they had hope, love for everybody was a result. Isn't that interesting to think that love, that hope, was actually the catalyst for love? Just, that was, that was new for me. I've read this verse a lot of times. Hmm. What is it about hope that caused them to love like that? Like, some of you have hope. Does it make you more loving? I don't know. I never really kind of connected hope and love. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you have and you're way ahead of me. Um, so what was their hope? Like, what, what were they hoping in, right? It says, well, their hope was in what God had reserved for them in heaven. So their hope was in paradise, right? The sense of eternal life in heaven, the best possible future anybody could ever have awaiting them, right? That was their hope, their hope that God said, I'm, I'm preparing a place for you, right? That it's going to be this awesome experience. We talked about heaven, right? I love talking about heaven. You could talk about heaven all day, right? Heaven is just imagine where, when, what, what is your screensaver on your computer? That's your heaven, right? For some of you, it's a mountain. For some of you, it's a beach. You know, for some of you, it's, it's a city. For some of you, there's nobody, right? What's, what does heaven look like for you, right? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it party? What kind of food is there? What kind of people are there, right? Just put together now your perfect day, right? Are you out in the woods somewhere, you know, just watching nature? Are you eating? Are you doing something, you know, are you golfing on the heavenly fairways and everything's a hole in one? I don't know. Like, what's, what's heaven for you? But it's perfect, Right? So their hope was in the, this eternal paradise. Their hope was that the forgiveness that was promised them was going to happen. They were going to be completely forgiven, totally pure, totally good, right? That Jesus loved them so much, he was preparing a grand home for them, far greater than anything anybody could imagine. Their hope was based on the premise that God actually loved them. Jesus left the transcendent peace of heaven to live a human life filled with rejection and pain and, and violence so that they could see God. And then he paid what everyone owed and they, then he went to prepare a place for them. So think about it. Their hope was predicated on the fact that Jesus loved them so much to give them this future. So their hope was in a future that was the result of a tremendous, the greatest act of love. So the question is really like, who could love them more than what Jesus had given to them? Could anybody love them more than what Jesus had done for them? Right. So so because they knew that they were loved. They were free to love. Because they knew that they were loved, they were free to love. And why were they free to love? And here's where I think I want to get real for a moment. People who feel unloved struggle to love at all. People who feel unloved. Struggle to love at all. Uh, Max Mueller said, A flower cannot blossom without sunshine, and a man cannot live without love. 
See, there are people all over who genuinely feel like nobody loves them. You may be here today and perhaps you believe that. Nobody really loves you. Maybe people say it, but you don't buy it. You're sitting here and you are genuinely convinced that nobody loves you. Can I just start by saying I prayed for you to be here today? I believe you need to hear this message today. And I believe this message has the potential to literally save lives. And if it's not you today, if you're sitting here going, no, I know I'm loved. One, I'm thrilled. Really, because you should. Um, But can we just for a moment see if we can put ourselves in the shoes of those who might feel like they aren't loved? Just for a moment, can we try and put ourselves and see what life is like for someone who, who feels that way? For someone who really may have never met somebody. Like some of you have been so loved in your life, you can't imagine what that life is like. Like I'm there, right? Guilty. Like I've been abundantly loved in my life. Right? But that's not everybody's story. So for a minute, if we can just put ourselves in the shoes of those who don't feel that way. See, because the cost of being and feeling unloved can be devastating. We know what love is. Nick read it. Love is patient, kind, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Keeps no record of being wrong. Does not rejoice about injustice. Rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. Is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. We know what love is. That's what love is. See, but here's the, here's the, the flip, right? So if I am not loved, then no one is patient with me. And I'm unlikely to be patient with anybody else if I'm not loved. If, if I'm not loved, then no one is kind to me. And I don't trust anyone and I don't even think about helping others. And if I'm not loved, if no one is, if no one is hopeful for me, then I don't hope that anything can ever get better. And I live without regard for tomorrow because death may even be appealing because I have no hope that tomorrow will be any better than today. And if no one is believing in me, then the worst thing happens of all is that I don't even believe in me. If no one is forgiving me, I become a prisoner of guilt, shame and regret. I find it almost impossible to forgive anyone else. I become a perpetual victim because I don't believe anybody loves me enough to forgive me. We see the consequences here. If no one loves me enough to be proud of me. I feel inadequate no matter how successful I am. You beginning to see people? If no one is rejoicing with me, I have no one to share my best days with. And what should be wind in my sails only turn into reminders that I'm alone. If no one is defending me, I look out for myself. And I live expecting others to hurt me. If no one is enduring with me, I don't have what it takes to run my race. Remember, this is the cost of being and feeling unloved. If I am not loved, then no one is providing for me. So I accumulate as much as I can. And I'm afraid to stop even when I have more than I need. If I'm not loved, then no one is celebrating me. So I find ways to make myself feel special, even if they're superficial. If I'm not loved, no one is missing me. 
And I naturally assume I'm not special and inevitably I stop showing up. If no one is noticing me, I develop an unhealthy craving for attention. And if no one loves me and no one is listening to me, I either try and yell louder than everybody else. Or I stop talking at all and the world loses my voice. See, unloved people struggle to love it all. And the reason is because unloved people are doing everything they can just to survive. And everybody else is simply a threat to my existence. That's what happens when you feel unloved. And there are some of you in here this morning that you know exactly what I'm talking about. The cost of being and feeling unloved can be crippling. Some of you have family members and friends and coworkers that you know exactly who they are. They feel just like this. You can see it because you see the evidence of it. But I have good news today. Jesus gave everything to change that. Which is why the people of the Colossian church were famous for their love for everyone because they knew that they knew that they knew that they were loved. Because they had hope. Because they knew they were loved so much that better was coming. They had heard the good news and knew that Jesus was providing for them. He had everything that they needed. They had no fear of the future. Jesus was celebrating them. Every success of yours is seen and celebrated. I'm just going to tell you how Jesus loves you right now, right? You're so loved that Jesus sees you every single moment. You can't hide from him. He notices you. He notices every effort. Nothing you do is too small. He loves you so much, his eyes are constantly on you. You know, like when a boy starts to like a girl, he can't stop staring at her. Puppy love, right? God doesn't stop staring at you. But it's not puppy love. It's forever love. God is listening to you constantly. Every word you pray, every word you think, even your deepest desires that no one else knows, those things you think are deep down inside, He knows. He listens to you. God is good to you. He is kind to you. He shows you favor. He shows you grace. I tell you, God is patient with you. Can we just stop for a minute and thank God that He's patient with us? I know I need it. He is patient with you. He loves you so much, He puts up with our garbage. Refuses to give up on us. God is hopeful for you. God actually has more hope for you than you have for you. This is how much hope God has for you. Um, there are two types of cleaning in the house. There's the, it's Saturday, so we should clean. And there's the, people are coming. Right? Paint the trim. Fix the toilet seat. Right? Like, that kind of cleaning. You prepare differently when you expect people to come over. God has so much hope for you. He's preparing a place for you. He actually expects you to show up in heaven. Who's more hopeful for you than Jesus? He believes in you. He has so much faith in you that he went through the cross. That's how much faith he had in you. He said, yeah, I'll die for them. 
He's so loving, he forgives every wrong you do. Anybody else love you like that? He is so proud of you. Let me tell you, those four words, some days are worth their weight in gold. I'm proud of you. Four words, I'm proud of you. Every day, God declares to the world around you, this is my son. This is my daughter. It's not because of how great you are and all that you've accomplished. He's proud of you because you're his child and that's enough. God is proud of you. God rejoices with you. Your successes cause ticker tape parades in heaven. God rejoices with every victory, no matter how small. Every time you go, oh, inside you go, yes, right? That you're happy about something, even if, even if it's a parking spot, right? If somebody just, if something, the smallest thing, you're like, oh, that's a little thing, but it means something to me. Guess what? God's up there with you going, yeah, 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 that's a good thing too. I'm celebrating too. That's cool. Like, who do you text when good things happen, right? Who do you call? Who, do you, who comes to mind? Who do, you, who do you miss because you wish you could celebrate with them, right? Let me tell you, God is up there saying, I'm rejoicing with you every single victory. He defends you. Nobody defends you like God. He is judge and jury. He has the final say. He will make all wrongs right. You have a God who is the definition of justice. Look it up in the dictionary. It's God's picture next to it. I would like to see the picture. God never gives up on you ever, 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 ever. Here's what you need to know this morning. Ready? This is the same thing the Colossian church figured out. You can't be more loved than you are right now. You may feel like you're not loved, but let me tell you, you couldn't be more loved. Your heavenly father loves you unconditionally and completely. And it's critical that we know that because, and here's the message you need to hear this morning. One thing, here it is. Ready? Loved people love people best. Unloved people struggle to love it all, but loved people love people best. They were famous for their love. Why? Because they knew they were loved. And when you know you're loved... Let me tell you, when you know you're loved, people are not a threat anymore. They're not competition anymore. You just have love to give. You know how the people in the Colossian church knew they were loved? Want to guess how they knew they were loved? Um, Paul says that their love came from hope, which came from hearing the good news. See, every time they heard the good news, hope was built. And as hope builds, love grows. Every day that you read and hear the love of God, it builds more and more hope in you. And in a really super cool twist, right, it frees you to love people. The more hope that's injected into you, the more love you have for other people. It's an interesting dynamic. So to be clear... Every day that I fail to hear the good news, hope fades. Hope is like fire, right? If it's not fueled, it dies. Every day I hear the word of God, it throws piles of wood on the fire. I want a bonfire of hope raging in my heart. 
But every day I fail to hear the hope I had yesterday burns a little dimmer today. And as hope fades, my ability to love weakens because people now begin to reemerge as a threat to me. And I forget my security. If you are here today and you have hate in your heart towards someone else, you don't know how much you're loved. Because if you did, you'd know how much grace has been shown to you and you'd have grace for them. People are never a threat to us. Ephesians tells us very clearly, Paul says it. You're not fighting against flesh and blood. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world. Let me tell you, the only enemy you have is the devil. Some people look like the devil, but they are not the devil. Okay, just get that out of the way. All right. All people are loved by God and need love. You don't fight against people. People who aren't loving, that are hard to love, are just broken people. If people are hard to love, it's because they've yet to grasp how much they are loved. Unloved people are hard to love and need love most. See, that's where we come in. Oh, boy, this is tough. Isn't this fun? Come on, love. This is a good one. It's Valentine's Day week. It's love. Come on, let me tell you, it's hard to love people that are unlovable. It is very easy to love people that we like. But the reality is that people that are unlovable, they need to, they, they, what, what their cure is, is what we won't want to give to them. Love people. Love people best. And the measure to which you're able to love is to depend upon your understanding of how much you are loved. So really quick, in case you don't know, you're loved. All of you in this room, you are loved. Like really, 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 really loved by God. So what? So we need to keep hearing how much God loves us. We need to keep infusing our heart with hope. There's this old song. Some of you may remember it. It goes like this. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. So there's this thing called soap. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, we've been maybe have mentioned it once or twice before. Um, SOAP is an acronym if you're new and you're not sure what that means. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. It's a simple little formula for how to read the Bible every day. Nick shared it before out of his journal. It's not just reading the Word, but in, engaging the Word and letting it re, re, uh, get into you. We've got journals available. If you don't have one, take one. There's Bible reading plans. Take one. It'll explain the whole thing to you. But here's what it comes down to. It's important to read the Bible every day, and it's not just some religious trick to get you to be more holy and, you know, to get you to sell more journals or Bibles or anything like that. That's not what it's about. You don't have to read the Bible every day. You don't have to do it at all. But let me tell you, if you're not reading the Bible every day, the hope that they heard is not being communicated to you and your fire dies. Every day that you read, you stoke the flames inside you of hope. Every time I read about heaven or I read about love, hope builds within me and it makes me more loving. And every day that I do not read, guess what happens? Dan comes out. 
And those closest to me know it's not good. There's no law that says you have to read the Bible to get into heaven. But I'm telling you, there's a principle here that says the more hope you have, the more loving you are. Because God becomes your source of security and people do not threaten you anymore. So now you're free, legitimately free to love them. Are you as loving as you need to be? But those that know you best agree. When it comes to love, trying harder isn't good enough. Love is easy when you're loved. Love is almost impossible when you're not. If you want more love in your home this year, commit yourself to finding out how much you're loved. If you want more love in your work, in your school, in your community, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your business, if you want it to be easy for people to describe you as a person who loves well, let me tell you, daily let Jesus into your heart. Daily engage the word. Let it build hope in you. If you're here, And you know you need to grow in your love this year. Jesus wants to help you do that. We're going to transition to communion in just a moment. Where's Nate? Nate can come on up and begin to play. But I want to take a minute as he's coming. I want to pray for you right now before we move forward. If you're here today and perhaps you don't feel loved. And our ushers are just going to prepare for communion. So if you see people getting up, that's what's going on. If you're here and you don't feel loved, if you struggle to love, if you want to be a loving person and just can't seem to will yourself to do it, Jesus is here. Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Jesus believes in you and wants to empower you to love like you never dreamed you could. So if you're here today, And you'd acknowledge that maybe you don't feel loved or that you struggle to be loving. And you want that to change. Would you just simply raise your hand and say, I need Jesus at the center of my love today. I see those hands. See those hands. Anybody else? Between you and God. God, I want you at the center of my love today. God, make me loving. Help me know that you love me. God, you see us. You see these hands that are raised. You saw everyone. Lord, you know what's going on in our hearts. And I ask you right now, God, that you would just pour out in waves your love on everybody here. Would there not be anybody in here today who doesn't know that they're loved? Deeply, profoundly, completely, unconditionally, It's not based on what we do or how good we are or what we've earned from you. It's because you just love us. Because we're your children. There's nobody you don't love. But would you just peel back the curtain and show us how loved we are? And would you free us to love other people? To love those around us? Make us more loving. Lord, I thank you. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com 
or on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Life Tree.